All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a prick in the neck. This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Guys, thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for joining us once again. I am your host, David Dollar, and this is the Magic on a Dollar podcast where for every week or so, for every you know, 30 minutes or so, we'll throw in some Disney conversations, put it in a podcast form, throw it in your podcatcher, your iTunes, your Google Play, and let you listen to it. And I really appreciate you downloading once again, uh, got a lot of stuff to get to today, but right here at the top of the show, I want to tell you that we now have a podcast page on my website, magiconadollar.com. Click on the podcast page there, and uh, you'll see all the show notes there, and you'll see links to all the previous shows in case you're jumping in for the first time, listening to the show for the first time. You can go there to the magiconadollar.com page and see, uh, and see the podcast stuff there. I will say that I'm still doing some work on the podcast, uh, on, not on the podcast, but on the website itself, so there are some pages that aren't up yet in terms of uh, material and things like that, but that page, I'm kind of building it out to where you can go there and kind of as a reference for Disney World, for Disneyland, for Universal, got a bunch of content up there already, some articles about uh, that I've written about the dining plan and some fast pass things and things like that, so go there, keep checking back as we add more and more stuff to the website, it's going to be up and running, getting it fully functional, getting it to be your not your, your non- your, your one-stop shop for Disney World news and stuff like that. That's kind of what I want to get to eventually. But, uh, yeah, visit the podcast page there, magiconadollar.com. Now, we got a lot of news to get to today. We're going to get to some fun stuff later on today as well. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, of course, Star Wars always seems to make it in there. We'll talk about the Oscar nominations coming up. Some Disney history will be coming up as well. And I'm going to end the show talking a little bit about my trip uh, from a couple weeks ago and how we were able to use the guest assistance pass. I know that's important to some people uh, because you do have some challenges and some needs with your family. So we can kind of talk through that real quick. Maybe I can give you some help there. But let's go ahead and kick it off with some, some Disney World World News tonight. This is Disney News from Around the World. First up, guys, uh, and I am not a wine drinker. I, I feel like I, I honestly, I've often said that I wish I drank wine because it feels like it feels like that would be a great kind of a great uh, uh, a great hobby to know things about. I mean, when you're when you're wine when you're a wine expert, that's a big deal because you know a lot of things that most people don't know about reds and whites and origins and blah blah blah. Um, but a master sommelier led wine bar, George, set to open this spring at Disney Springs. Disney Springs, of course, is the, the shopping location, the downtown Disney, as it used to be called there at Disney World. Well, Disney Springs will be adding another table service dining location this spring with the expected opening of Wine Bar George. Once it's open, the establishment will be the only master sommelier-led wine bar in the entire state of Florida. I believe I'm saying that right. To be a wine expert, you are a sommelier. Um... If, I, if I'm wrong, you're welcome to email me and say, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. And I probably will say you're absolutely right. But anyway, named for highly regarded master sommelier George Miliatos, 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 the location will feature a wine list with more than 100 selections by the bottler glass alongside a menu developed by an executive chef by the name of Ron Rupert. That's expected to open sometime this spring. This is, of course, coming from WDW net or uh, newstoday.com they've got a great selection of news and everything that I can kind of pick through and, and find the bring the fun stuff to bring you and so that's coming from there now also Star Wars Galactic Knights is returning this spring um, it's going to be coming back uh, May the 20 something or another uh, May the 27th 
May 27th, two days after Solo, a Star Wars story, is released. It'll be offered at Hollywood Studios from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. You'll be able to do all kinds of Disney, all kinds of fun Star Wars things. There'll be parades through the street. There'll be all kinds of panels and things like that. Um, Galactic Nights, the last time, was a pretty pretty good success. They had one in April. They had one in December. Now, the ticket price, it is an extra ticket price, and if you don't have a ticket, you do have to leave the park by a certain time, 6 or 7-ish. The ticket price itself is around $129. They haven't released this ticket price yet, but that's how much the previous events costs. Uh, you'll get character meet and greets, uh, celebrity interview panels, and, of course, merchandise. Lots and lots of merchandise to buy. Um, we had a good time at the Galactic Nights last April when I went. We did... Um, they gave us a lanyard. We were able to go around and collect like stickers to go on our lanyard to create like a little picture and everything. We were able to take different photo opportunities and stuff. And they had a they had like a Star Wars parade all the way through the streets. And there was one where we were able to sit down with a uh, sit down at a panel in the Indiana Jones Amphitheater sit there. And there was a panel that had that had Alan Tudyk, a voice artist and also a great actor character actor. Um, he's Steve from Pirate from Dodgeball, by the way. Uh, Alan Tudyk was there, and he kind of did an interview and everything. So it was really cool. A lot of fun stuff happening. Is it worth it? Well, I'm not really sure. I liked it for the first time. I don't know that I would do it again. But that is coming on May the 27th. So expect to see that pretty soon. The animatronics are losing their heads. Uh, it's really kind of strange because over in Disneyland, uh, Disney's California Adventure, the animatronic Ursula in the Little Mermaid ride literally lost her head. Now, the attraction is a lot like the attraction you're going to find at Disney World, where you kind of ride through in a little quote-unquote clamshell. You go through the ocean underwater, um, quote-unquote underwater, uh, you know, and you see the the whole scene with the under the sea, and there's Sebastian singing, and all the fish are dancing, and everything. And as you kind of grind a corner, you see a big Ursula, an animatronic Ursula, which the Ursula is amazing. She looks incredible. Um, and she's singing Poor Unfortunate Souls, and really, my complaint with this particular attraction is that I would love to have spent more time around that Ursula animatronic singing that song because I love that song. It's a great villain song. Well, apparently, uh, in the one in California Adventure, Ursula's head fell over. It just fell over somehow, attached by wire, so it's kind of hanging there. Um, there are some actual videos online. You can find it. People are a little freaked out, obviously, and kids are a little freaked out because, you know, you see, you see Ursula's head falling off. Um, th- there was a visitor that said right after the ride, we were ushered out along with everybody else. Employees looked concerned. Many people saw the Ursula decapitated, including kids who were understandably upset. It was pretty freaky to see. So there's your villain with Ursula's head hanging off. And over in Disneyland Paris, a, ca- a pirate in the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction also lost his head. So uh, I don't exactly know what's happening with Disney, but they really got to get this organized. I have, I have often said that Disney needs to spend time, uh, maybe once a week or so, you know, pick out two attractions to go through and maybe close them down for a day or so and do a complete refurb, overhaul, double check, cleaning. Uh, I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. I do. I love Disney dearly so, so much. But um, but sometimes, you know, one great example of this is Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. As you're loading on the ride, you get in on one side of the ride. And as you're coming around, you kind of look over the, the little little vessel that you're in, the little car you're in. You can see on the left side there. And you can see a lot of times there's trash kind of piled up there. People have dropped trash outside of the cars and stuff, and it hasn't been cleaned up there. Uh, Space Mountain's kind of the same way. As you're sitting there and you're in the track, you're kind of going around the track, waiting to go into the ride itself. Uh, you look out of the car and stuff, and there's like trash and little things, just paper or whatever piled up, and it's just kind of icky. Um, I feel like Disney really needs to kind of spend some time cleaning those things up. And really, how about you go through and you, you, you look at the heads on your animatronics and you test the screws and say, you know what? Hey, Phil, 
Let's test the screw real quick to make sure the head's on properly. To make sure the head's not gonna, you know, fall off during a ride. Because I'll be honest with you, had that happened at something even bigger, um, that'd have been a big deal. Like a small world attractions or whatever. And can you imagine the heads falling off the dolls? That'd be freaky, freaky scary. So I'm hoping Disney gets that fixed, and let's hope that nobody in our audience here is going to see Ursula with her head falling off. The the Academy Award nominations were released a couple of weeks ago, um, and Disney picked up a several as usual, mostly technical categories because they didn't have anything really big in the major categories. But uh, the Pixar Disney Pixar film Coco picked up the nomination for animated feature, uh, and also for the song Remember Me. Which, if you've seen the movie Coco, at the end of the movie, gotta tell you that's gonna get you in the feels right there. It is uh, it's it's a little brutal. Much like many things in Pixar are, you watch that and you're like, <gasps> oh, you're a little sniffly and stuff because it's just it's pretty. It's pretty great. Um, the animated short Lou is also nominated for animated short. I imagine that's going to win as well. The animated short is the one with a little backpack that kind of basically fights bullies. It's a great little message, great little story. Star Wars The Last Jedi picked up four awards, uh, sound, four nominations for sound editing, sound mixing, for score, and for visual effects. Beauty and the Beast picked up two nominations, one for production design and one for costume design. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 picked up visual effects um, that that award as well, and so uh, so those are the nominations. I would expect to see Coco win the win the Academy Award for um, uh, for for best animated feature. I can't imagine them not winning it, but just because because it was just that good. I would also expect. Um, I'm thinking the song is going to win for best song. Now the Greatest Showman might actually pick up that uh, that particular award, but I would probably say that's going to be Remember Me. They won the Golden Globe for best song as well. Um, Star Wars picking up. I. <sighs> Depending on what they're up against, I think you're probably going to see some of the bigger movies. Dunkirk, Blade Runner, those movies probably pick up the sound editing, sound mixing kind of awards. Now you wonder to yourself, what exactly is sound editing and sound mixing? Well, before uh, before the Academy Award changed the category to sound editing, the Oscars gave out the same award for effects editing. Um, the sound editor basically is responsible for all of the film's sound effects, including dialogue, sound effects, dialogue replacement, that kind of thing. Sound mixing is basically for uh, overall soundscape or the soundtrack of a film. In short, everything you hear in a film must be mixed together to a certain level. So there is a slight difference there in sound editing and sound mixing. I guess sound editing is more specific. Sound mixing is more of an overview of the sound. So those are two separate awards. And so now you know, and no one's half the battle, and, you know, go Joe. And so uh, I found an interesting article here, and that's going to kind of end our news very much. I want to thank you, uh, thank, big uh, thanks to Tim Dumay at Tim at MeshMedia.co, who put together our sound effects, put together our music of the opening of the show and the news, news and music as well. Um, go there. He is a he's a guy who does, does uh, audiovisual stuff for... For churches, for large groups, for, for small groups, for things like that, for people who want to get audiovisual presentations and things like that done, contact Tim Dume. Um, Tim, T I M, at meshmedia.co. Send him an email. Say, hey man, uh, David Dollar on the Magic on a Dollar podcast said that you could help me with my audiovisual presentation. He will take care of you or sell you where to go. Uh, he'll take care of you on that. So I want to bring this up because on WDW. NT.com, that's WDW News Today, they put an article up which I thought was really, really interesting. The name of the article is Star Wars The Last Jedi Box Office Has Disney Concerned. Now, of course, Star Wars The Last Jedi came out um, in December, and it is one of the few films in the history of, of, of ever to make over $600 million domestic all time. Um, it is a, it's a monster of a movie. It made a ton of, ton of money. It's right now topping right around $611 million. It's probably going to top out somewhere around $620, $630, something like that. These six films who have made over $600 million, Star Wars The Force Awakens, 
Avatar, Titanic, Jurassic World, Marvel's The Avengers, and Star Wars The Last Jedi, the only six films in the history of movies to ever pull in $600 million or more at the box office. And I'm concentrating on this number because that's a big, big number. However, Disney is really kind of having... They're kind of a little stressed here because it wasn't as much as they thought it was going to be. Now... The all-time box office leader, in case you didn't know, the all-time box office leader is Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is just shy of $940 million uh, for the box office. So that's a big deal for that movie. It's a great film. It's worth every penny of it. Um, They didn't, you know, Rogue One came out last year, and Rogue One actually made around uh, $530 million, and that's the number eight movie of all time. Uh, so they were expecting Last Jedi to possibly pull in a little bit more than this. I think they were hoping for the 750, maybe even 800 million dollar range. So the fact that it topped out at 6.1 or 611 million kind of has them a little concerned. Uh, also, it did not do as well in China. The China box office did not did not uh, uh, did not fare nearly as well as the one did for the Force Awakens. And so they're a little concerned because they're putting a lot of money into Star Wars, a lot of money into the Last Jedi, and of course Solo is opening up in May. Now Solo is a film. That I would be honest with a lot of Star Wars fans are really unsure about. I myself am unsure about this film. Now, uh, there's a lot of diehard fans that they're they're Star Wars apologists. No matter what you tell them, they're going to be they're going to be prepped and they're going to be excited for it, and that's great. And, you know, we haven't even seen the trailer. It may be fantastic, but they've had some trouble with this movie. Star Wars uh, Solo, uh, the Star Wars story, which is the story of Han Solo. Um, it had some problems at the very beginning because the directors. Uh, and I forget the guys' names. Those guys were pulled off about halfway through because they just weren't doing a good job on the film. So says the powers that be. Kathleen Kennedy, who's kind of over Star Wars, and some other people kind of took a look at the film and were like, you know, we don't like what these guys are doing. So they pulled them off the film. So in stepped Ron Howard halfway through the production of the movie. They had to basically restructure the movie a little bit. They had to do some reshoots and rewrites and so on and so on. You have a big-name director like Ron Howard stepping in, in the middle of a movie that's half done to fix the movie. Now, we haven't seen any trailers for this yet, and this is one of those things where it's a little unusual because if you think about it, a lot of times you'll start seeing trailers for Marvel movies, you know, a year in advance or eight months in advance. We've already seen the Infinity War trailer. It's been out for a month now, and it comes out around the same time, I think a few weeks after, uh, uh, around Star Wars time. Oh, actually, a few weeks before more, uh, Star Wars, before Solo does. Um, you know, we've been seeing the Avengers trailer, the Infinity War trailer for a while. And matter of fact, I've been saying that the Infinity War is my the Infinity War trailer is my favorite movie of 2018 because the trailer is just so so immaculate. And so they're really having kind of stepping back, trying to figure out what they're going to do about Solo because if it doesn't perform well, then they have a problem because they're investing a lot of money in Star Wars. They're putting a lot of money into not only the land, the Galaxy's Edge, which is coming in Hollywood Studios, but also you know into the movies that they're trying to release one every year. Okay, so here's the opinion piece of this. Now, this is a great article, by the way, and I'm going to link this on the magicofadollar.com page. Go to the podcast page there for the show notes, and I will link to this particular article because it's a great article. Talks a little bit about the money stuff and that kind of thing. But my opinion on Star Wars is this. I I love Star Wars and I always have. When the first movies came out, I was too young to really, really get, I don't want to say get excited, but I was too young to appreciate what I was watching. Before Star Wars came out in 77, my first Star Wars experience was Empire Strikes Back in 1980. I was five. Uh, I went to see Return of the Jedi in 1983 when it was released. I went to see that in the theater, having not even seen the first one. The first one hit HBO around 83 or 84, something like that. And so I saw I saw, I saw, saw them right around the same time, Return of the Jedi and Star Wars, the first one. I saw that on HBO around the same time. So, of course, I've been loving Star Wars for all these years. So... Went through the late night, went through early nineties to the mid nineties, and of course, then they announced that George Lucas was finally going to make three more Star Wars films, and it was just this anticipation of like, oh my goodness, 
we're going to get more Star Wars. And by this time, I was out of college when the first one came out, right out of college. And I was there to experience the whole just anticipation, the whole brouhaha around a Star Wars film is coming. It was just so exciting because we've been waiting, you know, 15 years by this time for another Star Wars movie. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so incredible, right? It's going to be great. Um, and of course, Phantom Menace came out and uh, I had my ticket a couple of days ahead of time. Uh, true story, I was, uh, I was at work actually and I got caught in a project and I could not leave. So I missed the opening night of Star Wars Phantom Menace. My boss felt terrible. He actually went out and bought me a ticket for the next day. And on the clock, he said, I don't want you to clock out. I want you to go see this movie at 2 o'clock. Here's your ticket. You leave today. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. Go, go go to the movie. Here's some money for some popcorn. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you so much for staying for the project last night. We really appreciate it, which was great. It was great, great boss, great guy. Uh, so I went to see Star Wars Phantom Menace by myself. And still, the theater was full. It was great, a great experience watching this watching this movie that I had not seen. You know, Star Wars, this was exciting. It, it, so long we waited for a movie, and here it was. Turns out the movie wasn't as great as we wanted it to be. I'm not going to get into all that, but uh, the movie itself was 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 there. And, of course, we had another movie coming three years later. And then one more came a couple of years later. So you had this entire trilogy over the course of six or seven years, and so it was really exciting. And then Disney buys Star Wars, and we get the we get the word that, oh, my gosh, Disney's going to make more Star Wars films. Oh, my goodness, we, get, we finally get that third trilogy. We finally get that trilogy after Return of the Jedi. How exciting is this, right? And so the, the Force Awakens comes out in 20, uh, 2015, and we're just all everybody's pumped and excited and just over the moon for it. Because, again, we've waited 10 years for a Star Wars film, and The Force Awakens is fantastic, and so it's wonderful. So not only have we waited this long, we actually got a good film. Well, then Rogue One comes out the year later, and I love Rogue One. Do not get me wrong. I think Rogue One is, is an amazing movie. It's my third favorite Star Wars movie, Empire, Star Wars A New Hope. Rogue One. I love Rogue One. I've seen it four or five times. I, just, I can't get enough of Rogue One. But what we're missing is that anticipation. Okay? A year later, The Last Jedi comes out. And now, six months later, we get Solo come out. Solo that's coming out. Now, we're going to have to wait another year and a half for Episode Nine to come out. But there's something about Star Wars that it's missing when you don't have that buildup, that anticipation, that sheer just... I'm so excited because it's coming. I can't wait. Now, Marvel has done something. They've done something unusual. They've been able to put out one or two movies every year, but they're not direct sequels to each other. We've had to wait now you know, for a couple of years for the new next Avengers, which is a sequel. Um, and in the meantime, while we're waiting, we're, getting, we're feasting on these small films here and there. And you could say the same thing about Star Wars. Well, while we're waiting for one movie, we get, you know, we get the solo movie. And when I guess it's kind of the same thing. But... Um, Star Wars to me is, is a little above Marvel in that, in the fact that there's an anticipation factor that is missing. And I really want Disney to get back to that. I would love to see, uh, if they pushed off Episode Nine till 2020, 2019, another year, or like, without 2019, 2020 or 2021, another year, give it another year to, 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 to build. Awesome. What if they didn't do Solo? What if we got Last Jedi? We didn't get another Star Wars movie until maybe next year or something, like two years in between. Even better, you get that sense of buildup, that sense of just, you know, it's coming and we can't wait for it. And now, of course, if they did that, everybody would be really like, I want it here right now. I can't wait for it to be here right now. But I think there is that sense of anticipation that is missing right now from Star Wars. And, and lest I say, they're in danger of oversaturation. That is what I'm afraid of as well. They're going to do too much Star Wars. And I know that's a little sacrilege to say that. 
But I'm afraid that that might happen. I don't want that to happen because I want Star Wars to be awesome like it always is. But I don't want there to be too much Star Wars. I want it to be paced out enough because they want to do movies for a while. Ryan Johnson, the director of Last Jedi, has already said he was working on a brand new trilogy that's coming out after Episode Nine. Uh, it's going to be new characters, new worlds, new lands. I think they're going to, you know, and um, uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega uh, has have both said that Episode Nine is their final appearances as. Ray and Finn, respectively, and so their story is told. I don't think we'll see Mark Hamill anymore. I don't think, obviously, we won't see Carrie Fisher anymore, or Harrison Ford anymore. So, you know, those stories are gone. So we're going to move on to new things, which is great. But I don't want it to come out a year later. I want it to come out like 2024, 2025. Give me a sense of buildup of anticipation. So, so there's my take on the whole Star Wars thing. I just wanted to kind of mention that, talk through that a little bit. Let me th- let me know what you think. Magic on a dollar podcast. At gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Send me an email. Are you excited about Star Wars just every six months, every year? Or do you kind of feel the same way I do? You want some anticipation there. You want to build up a little bit to it. And maybe that's just me being nostalgic. Uh, I know kids nowadays don't have to wait for a lot of things. Um, but, you know, we waited 15 years for The Phantom Menace and then another 10 years for The Force Awakens. We can wait three years for a good episode nine. So, so there you go. That's my Star Wars take. Uh, let's look at some Disney history real quick. 1992, this week in Disney history, uh, the nominations were announced for the Academy Awards. Beauty and the Beast, one of the most nominated films of the year, getting six nominations, best music, um, best actually best song, Be Our Guest, best song, Belle, best song, Beauty and the Beast. It took three of the six nomina- five nominations that year uh, for best song. Also for best score, best sound, and best picture. And this is notable because it was the first time that a uh, that that the, an animated film was ever nominated for best picture. Now, they don't they didn't have the best animated film Oscar Academy Award back then, so it was nominated for six Academy Awards, which was pretty phenomenal. I think that's pretty cool. Um, it did not win best picture. It uh, did win best song. I believe it was Beating the Beast. I'm actually going to look it up here real quick while we're talking. They did have the animated best short film um, that year, but they didn't have the the animated picture uh, film. It did win for original score and also won Beauty and the Beast, won for Beauty and the Beast. Song, uh, again, Be Be Our Guest and Belle were both nominated. Also nominated, a song called When You're Alone, which was from the movie Hook. And from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Everything I Do, I Do For You was also nominated. So that was kind of fun there. But yeah, Beauty and the Beast, the first time an animated film was ever nominated for Best Picture. Something kind of cool, kind of cool to remember. That was this week in Disney history in 1992. In 2001, diehard Disney fans started lining up at 5 p.m. on Wednesday, 15 hours before 8 a.m. on Thursday, which was the opening of Disney's California Adventure. Disneyland officials discouraged people from camping out, but bathrooms were available, and they actually sold food because, you know what, let's make some money. So they had people lining up for that. Because on February 8, 2001, Disneyland's second Anaheim Park and the eighth theme park in Disney World, in the Disney World, uh, California Adventure Park officially opened with a brand new hotel as well. Disney's Grand Californian Hotel is the centerpiece of a $1.4 billion expansion of what's called now the Disneyland Resort. 67-acre park, which has its own distinct identity separate from the Magic Kingdom, um, it's Separated into three main areas, Paradise Pier, which was a nostalgic California beachfront amusement section, uh, Hollywood Pickers Backlot, which was a district inspired by Hollywood Boulevard in the movies, and the Golden State, a more sprawling area devoted to people, uh, natural beauty, and industries of California. And the attractions for opening day 
included the Animation Academy, where you can actually go in and do animation stuff, California Screamin', which was, at the time, the second longest steel coaster in the United States, Character Close-Up, which was a walkthrough exhibit featuring animated sketches and models, the Golden Zephyr and the Jumpin' Jellyfish, which were rides over in kind of the Paradise Pier area, kind of kids' rides, um, the Tough to Be a Bug 3D animation, which is like the one that's in uh, Animal Kingdom, King Triton's Carousel, which is a Stunningly crafted carousel, Muppet Vision 3D, uh, which is the Muppet Vision show, Redwood Creek Challenge, the elaborate maze of rope bridges, rock climbing, log towers, zipline, and a cave. Go figure. Soaring over California, which is the tour of California in a hang glider, quote-unquote hang glider, with an IMAX quality image projected. Uh, Soar Soar's Workshop, which is a series of walkthrough exhibits. And, of course, the Bakery Tour, which is a walkthrough attraction featuring hosts. Rosie O'Donnell and Colin Matri via video. And that was a lot of walkthroughs here because they didn't have a ton of attractions open. California Adventure is a wonderful place to go, especially with the addition of Cars Land from a few years ago. It's funny because they, they spent about a almost two, maybe one and a half, two billion dollars on the park itself and building a hotel when they put in Radiator Springs Racers and the Cars Land area at Disneyland's California Adventure. Um, it cost them about four billion dollars. So that's how much money goes by, how much money and everything you have to spend there to now. That's kind of the inflation thing. So uh, that's kind of a little trip around Disney World, kind of some Disney news. Some upcoming things here at Disney World. This just came out this morning. This is kind of exciting. Uh, the Incredibles Summer. The Incredible Summer at Disney World. The Incredibles are taking over Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom Park, uh, where people, you guys, can party with Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl, and Frozone from Disney Pixar's The Incredibles and the soon-to-be blockbuster Incredibles 2, and Edna Mode. The greatest superhero costume designer will make her debut appearance, which is pretty exciting. That is pretty awesome. Uh, I've never seen Edmo, Edna Mode in the park, and I think that would be cool. The Guardians of the Galaxy will take the stage at Epcot. They'll see Star-Lord and Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. They'll join an alien band, uh, taking you on a journey through the cosmos. The party will feature hits from Awesome Mixtapes 1 and 2, um, which is the movie soundtracks, and build, building anticipation for the Epcot Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster opening up in a couple of years. Over in Animal Kingdom, the adventures meet up, a great bird adventure, and a dino-tastic celebration for Donald Duck, all coming to Animal Kingdom. Uh, it's a can't-miss offerings from Animal Kingdom, and I'm reading this from Disney World's website, by the way, so I'm not offering all these descriptive adjectives and adverbs just for fun. Uh, this is what it says. You're, you can discover new bird species from around the world at the new show called Adventures Meet Up, a great bird adventure which will have senior wilderness explorer Russell and his furry friend Doug. And the park will also launch a Dino-tastic celebration where Donald Duck takes over Dino Land in a new character celebration. If you like characters, sounds kind of cool. And also you can watch Incredibles 2 at AMC Disney Springs. Everybody's favorite family of superheroes is back on June 15th, 2018, where you can go to the theater and see it. And that's, I mean, there, I guess there's a party at AMC Disney Springs, but uh, uh, so it's basically saying, hey, go see the movie. And of course, Toy Story Land will be open at Disney's Hollywood Studios um, sometime this summer. There is still no word on exactly when it will open. The new 11-acre land will shrink guests to the size of a toy and allow them to explore the fun and adventure of Andy's backyard. There, you guys can experience two new attractions, the Family Coaster Slinky Dog Dash, and the Alien Swirling Saucer, featuring also an existing guest favorite attraction, Toy Story Mania, which will add a third track to the rotation. There's two tracks on it now. They're going to add a third track to it, which hopefully will help with the line because the line will be insane. Um, Toy Story Land will, of course, be insane as well. So that's that's happening this summer, the incredible summer at Walt Disney World. So that sounded like an infomercial, didn't it? It really did. It, it came in this morning, and I wanted to read to you guys, kind of tell you what was going on. But at the same time, it kind of sounds like I'm like, hey, you guys should go to Disney World. And when you do, call me, which... Let's be honest, I want you to call me, magicandadollar at gmail.com. Let me know about your Disney World needs, and I'll be happy to take care of you on that. Now, I went to Disney World a couple of weeks ago, and I'll kind of end the show with this. Um, 
Now, as many people know, as, as my friends know, and many of the listeners know, that you know we do have a child with uh, with autism. He is six years old. His name is Campbell. He's a good kid, um, but he has autism. And physically, he's very healthy. He's very very strong, and he likes to run and play, and he loves playing on stuff and playgrounds and you know exploring. He loves doors and cabinets, and he loves cell phones, just like a lot of other kids. Um, the challenges that we have with him are that he can't really do lines very well. Now he doesn't have a lot of meltdowns, which we're very fortunate about. We're very blessed with him in terms of a lot of things that autistic children do suffer from. He doesn't suffer from either at all or as much. So we're very thankful for that. But at the same time, he does not do lines very well. He just, he can't. 20 minutes in line, he's a little stir crazy. And a lot of kids are like that. But with him, he doesn't, even at six, he doesn't fully comprehend of why do I have to stand still? Why are we waiting in line? I don't, you know, what's going on? We can tell him there's a ride coming, but he won't fully understand that. So he gets restless. He starts hanging on the chains. He starts poking people around. We, we can't do that, right? So they have something called the guest assistance pass. And this is something that if you have special needs uh, in your family, and if you have, basically, it's an inability to wait in line. If it's, if it's, a, if it's a need that doesn't, that is not affected by lines, then that's one thing. But if you have somebody who maybe is in a wheelchair or have some sort of cognitive disorder or something, they just, they can't wait in line. They just can't do it. For whatever reason, you go to get services and you say, hey, we have so-and-so here and you have to bring the person with you. We bring Campbell with us and say, so we have somebody here um, who has some issues and we need to, to get a guest assistance pass. And they will ask questions. Now, they are not legally, uh, they're not legally allowed to say what's wrong with them. They can't say they can't say, you know, what effect, what, what, um, you know, what disease does he have or what is he suffering from? They can't really do that, but they will say, what are the challenges in line? So if you decide to do this with your, with your loved one or whoever, uh, I would be as descriptive as possible. Obviously be as descriptive as you, as you feel comfortable with doing. If there are things you don't want to share, that's okay. But be as descriptive as you can, because you want them to understand this is the challenges that they face. Because there are people that that every now and then will try to get by with the guest assistance pass when they don't really need it. Now, a lot of this came to fruition a couple of years ago because there were actually people, and, and I'm not making this up because this sounds, if it sounds deplorable, it actually is. There were actually people that were, they were, how do I say this? They were hiring disabled people to come with them to Disney World so they could get front of the line access. They were literally paying people in wheelchairs money to say, come with us, we will take you to Disney World with us, so you can get us to the front of the line. That's disgusting. And if you've ever done that, you should be, you, you need to be, like, slapped across the face with a backhand. That's just, that you just don't do that. That's wrong, right? That's wrong. So, um, they developed this system, and they had a system in place before, but they overhauled it to what we have now. So, when you go in there, you tell them what you need or whatever, they will give you a pass that basically, for, for, for the challenged person... I say challenged person. That sounds weird. For the affected person, uh, for Campbell, um, for him, and up to five more people. Now, if you have seven people in your party, talk to the guest services. They probably will help you out with that extra person. I don't think they're going to be like, nope, one person can't go. I think they'll help you out. So the way it works, basically, is they put it on your magic band. Um, so when you're on, it's on your magic band, so that way it's not evasive. You don't have a, like a green card or a red card you're flashing to the cast members for other people to see. So there is a sense of privacy there because... While we're not ashamed of our kid having autism, I mean, he, he does what he does, uh, there are some families that they would rather not declare to the world, hey, look, you know, our son has this, and show off your little card, so it's on your magic band. So you go to the FastPass line, and you say, we want to use the guest assistance pass, and what they will do is they will they will scan the band of the person, um, they scan the band of, of, of Campbell's band, and then they look at everybody else and scan everybody else's real quick, they put it on the, on the system, and they will look up at the wait time, and so let's just say that we went, when we went to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, 
and we'll go to the fast pass and we'll say we want to get the guest assistance pass for this. Um, they will scan the band. They will look up at the wait time. And let's say the wait time is an hour and a half. And, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right? So they will say, okay, it's an hour and a half wait time. It's 90-minute wait time. So you need to come back at 3.30 or after, anytime after 3.30. So they scan the band, and we go away. We go away for an hour and a half, and we're able to come back at 3.30. Now, the way this works, they we're still waiting that time. We don't get we don't get special privileges in terms of, you know, getting in the right, right early. Anybody else that goes in that line, they wait an hour and a half. We have to wait an hour and a half. But the trick is we don't have to wait in the line. That's the key is the fact that we don't have to spend that time in the line with it. Um, you know, we don't use this on attractions that don't need it. Like Small World, when we went, I think the longest wait time there was like 10 minutes. We're not going to use the guest assistance pass for that just so we can hop back in line and, and save 10 minutes. We just got in line. It's not a big deal. We know our son's limitations. He can push 10 to 15 minutes, even 20 if we really pushed it. We kind of played it right. Anything after that, we kind of like, oh, you know, let's let's use this uh, to our advantage. Uh, and that's the way we use it. Now, something we did this year that we've never done before, which also really, really helped. Um, even in line, even 20 minutes in line, sometimes it's hard for him. Now, if he's in a stroller, he's fine. He is fine in a stroller. He chills out. He's got a toy to play with or maybe an iPad or something. If he's up running around, we're holding him by his hand or whatever, that's when he gets a little bit anxious. So we did something called wheelchair at wheelchair stroller access. And you ask for that at guest services, and they will give you a tag onto your stroller. And we were able to take the stroller through the line itself, which was, again, wonderful. Because it helped us um, because we didn't have to try to keep up with him. It helped him because he was able to have, kind of stay calm, kind of stay in his little little bubble there in the stroller. He was comfortable. He was seated at his toys or whatever. And it helped the people around us because even though they didn't know, um, they would have had a handful with him running around them if he had not had this. So it was it was absolutely marvelous to do. Um, so we used this several times, and the cast member sees the red tag, and they just kind of wave you on through. Now, there were a few times that when you get up there, a lot of the rides, you know, you can't, uh, you can't take the stroller on the ride itself. So a lot of times, they, they treat it like a wheelchair. A lot of times what we'll say, you know, again, this um, uh, example would be Expedition Everest, which is the roller coaster at Animal Kingdom. They You do have to transfer. So if you are in a wheelchair and you are wheelchair bound, you could go. You could take your wheelchair through the line, but you have to get out of the wheelchair into the ride. So if you are unable to do that, you are not able to ride this ride. Now, Campbell's fine. We can get him out of the wheelchair into the ride itself. Put him back in the wheelchair. It was great. Um, but it did save us a lot of time, and it saved us a lot of heartache and a lot of meltdown stuff, and it gave him a lot of energy, too, because, you know, parents, and you'll know this for even typical children, when your children have meltdowns, when your two, three, four, five-year-old has a meltdown in the middle of the afternoon, it drains you. It just drains you. It drains the child. Everybody's tired. Everybody's frustrated. So let's say your child has a 20-minute meltdown. You know, it's 2.30 now. You spent 30 minutes dealing with your kid. Well, you only 30 minutes have gone by, but you're now, you're exhausted. You're tired. You're frustrated. The kid's tired. The kid's, you know, maybe the kid's calmed down and stuff or whatever. And suddenly by 4 or 5 o'clock, you're done with the day. You're, you know, you push an extra little bit of time. But you're like, you know what? We're just done. Let's just go back to the room. We're tired, whatever. So preventing those meltdowns is a big, big deal. And that's what helped us helped us uh, with the wheelchair access and with the guest assistance pass. So if you have challenges... These are things that you are able to do to your advantage, which are really, really good things to use. Disney makes it very, very easy to do. Now, there are some problems with these systems. There are some, some people um, aren't able to use it as well as they want it to, uh, and there are people that will abuse this system. There's nothing you can really do about it because, again, Disney's not allowed to ask you directly what is wrong, and they're, not, they're really legally not able to look at you and say, you know what, you can't use this. Um, so use your, you know, use your best judgment. And I tell this people, I tell this to people when I'm planning their vacations, they ask about these things and I kind of talk through it and tell them what they can use it for. And I will say, you know, Hey, use this when you need to, but not if you don't need it. Don't, don't use this on, 
you know, Hall of Presidents. I mean, you Hall of Presidents, you walk in, you wait for the show to start, you sit, you watch the show. Don't feel like you get special access to Hall of Presidents because you don't. It's not a big deal. I mean, you know, just use it when you have to, the bigger rides, things like that. It makes your life easier, it makes our life easier. Uh, we didn't really ride that many more attractions than anybody else would have, so it's not as if, um, you know, suddenly we're riding like 15 rides a day where other people only get to ride 10. I mean, we, we're kind of kind of keeping pace with everybody else. You can use this with a fast pass access, so we can go through with fast passes if we need to. Um, you know, so there is a way to kind of work it. Contact me and let me know about your trip, and I will be happy to help you along with this. But that's kind of a little rundown real quick on our, on our challenges with the trip and everything. We had a great time on our trip, and maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. Um... We had, uh, we had a little, you know, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, the way it worked, my, my niece, my niece was coming down for, to Disney World for the college program, the college uh, uh, program to be a cast member down there. She's down there now. She's working at Tomorrowland Terrace. Her name is Madeline. So if you get to go to Disney World and you see a Madeline, um, a, a pretty girl with brown hair uh, and full of energy behind the counter at Tomorrowland Terrace over in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom, say, hey, say, hey, I know David Dollar. Uh, I think her shirt's going to, her tag is going to say Madeline and University of Alabama. Because she's part of the college program. So we were taking her down there. And the way it works was I was going to drive Madeline's little car down there. And Madeline and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law were all going to fly in the morning. Uh, They would meet me down there. And then my wife and my son, Campbell, were going to come that evening. And so, you know, we all went down there. We all got down there. And they were flying in. And and I got a a note, uh, a text from my wife saying that Campbell had had used the bathroom on himself. And, um... Apparently, the full story was that they were in line. They were a Magical Express. Magical Express is a great thing, but it can be a little frustrating sometimes because you don't just go to the bus and get on it and it takes off. It doesn't take off with you. It has to wait for the bus to fill up. So they're in line for the bus, and my son has to go to the bathroom. Well, it turns out he already went to the bathroom. So she had to take him in, clean him up, and she had no more clothes for him. And so she walks out with a child, uh, mostly naked, except for a T-shirt. That was basically covering a little bit here and there, but not much. And so she's trying to figure out what to do. And she asked a nice family. She said, family, uh, do you have any extra clothes? I'm so sorry. I'll pay you for them. And the family was very gracious and said, we have girls' clothes. So if you'd like a pair of girls' panties. And my wife was like, absolutely. I just don't care. So she put some panties on our our son and put some little shorts on our son. And again, he said he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. Um, And it's 50 degrees. And so uh, it is 50 degrees outside, so it's a little cold. She misses the bus, and she has to wait for the extra bus. So finally they get to the room. We meet them in there. She's getting ready for bed. And you have to understand, with a lot of children, sensory children, um, our child is not, again, we we go back to the whole thing. We're we're very blessed with he is not, um, he doesn't suffer from some of the things that many autistic children do. However, he does eventually get overwhelmed. It does actually get him after a point. So we had this traumatic thing happen. He gets to the room and he's very inquisitive. He's running around the room trying to open doors and look at everything and trying to figure everything out. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, she's trying to get him to bed, trying to get him to sleep, and he doesn't want to go to sleep because he's excited. And there comes his grandmother and there's his aunt and there's his cousin and there's me all of a sudden coming in. And he's just like, he's just like, bah, all over the place, you know. And also, my wife's luggage is not here yet. And by this time, it had been four or five hours by the time the plane had landed. We did the Magical Express. Now, the Magical Express, again, is great, but sometimes they do fall because they don't get your luggage there on time. So I'm, you know, they're all trying to go to bed and everything. So I go down to the front front desk. I'm like, do you know where our luggage is? It's, you know, it's 1230. It's the flights. They flew in five hours ago, you know, where the luggage is. And they're trying to call. They were like, hey, come back in about 30 minutes and check on it. We have another bus coming. And so I'm like, okay. So I go back to the room 30 minutes later. And everybody's, everybody's asleep by, by now, including my child. 
And so I'm still up uh, trying to care, take care of this luggage because I can't brush my teeth. I can't. Stupid me didn't carry some extra stuff with me. I can't brush my teeth. My wife can't get ready. We didn't have extra clothes because I always advise my clients to carry extra clothes just in case. But guess who didn't carry extra clothes? This guy. And so I go back down there. It's one in the morning now. And I'm like, you know, where's our luggage? And the guy said, okay, we tracked it. It is on a bus and it's on the way here. It won't be here for another hour or so. Do you want us to call you? And I said, absolutely not. Do not call our room. Everybody's asleep. Um, if you wake up our child, it's going to be a disaster. So please don't call our room, please. And he said, what if I leave you a silent message? Meaning I will call the room, but it will not ring, but you will see a message flashing on your phone tomorrow morning that will tell you, you exit message and I will be telling you that your luggage is here. Come down and get in the morning. I said, that's perfect. So I go up there. I get ready for bed. It's now 1.30 in the morning. About 1.45 in the morning, the phone rings loud and it is super duper loud okay uh we don't know where the phone is because it's dark we've met we haven't messed with the phone we don't even know where the phone is in this room we're in it we're in art of animation there's a two bed it's a one bedroom suite so there's several places it could be we're fumbling around of course my child is now awake he is fully awake he is now crying and now he is in the verge of a meltdown because he's now been awakened and just everything hits him at once he has himself a meltdown Right there. So we finally calm him down, get him back to sleep. Somehow, some way, I go back down to the luggage, and, and uh, I'm like, "Yeah, you guys called me, oh, man, really." And again, I'm trying. I, I'm. I want to be nice to these people because they're working hard. They're working overnight. They're hauling luggage at two in the morning. You know, I'm not going to be like, "What the heck, you guys? You guys suck." I don't want to do like that at all. But at the same time, everything in my life is now dis- disrupted because of this piece of luggage. And the, the luggage guy comes around the corner and he shakes my hand and he says, Mr. Dollar, I want you to know that I, I, I apologize to you profusely. I am so sorry. Um, he said, I have an assistant that pulled the luggage off there. He said, and he started calling people before I could stop him. I didn't realize what he was doing. I had a note by your name to not call to leave you a silent message and he didn't see the note. He's like, I'm really, really sorry. And I'm like, it's okay, dude. It's, it's fine. It, it happens. But, but I get back to the room, and of course, my child is awake. We went into an hour-long meltdown. Finally, he got calmed down. It's 4.30 in the morning at this point, and our kid's awake. He's good. He's like, I'm up. I'm up. And so it was kind of a tough day for the first day. Every time after that was perfect. Everything else was great. Our kid was wonderful. The trip was fabulous. We had a great time. But that first night was a little bit of a struggle. So uh, it's kind of a fun little story there. It's one of these you look back and go, oh, man, that was crazy. At the time we were going through it, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy. <gasps> it was hard. It was hard. So anyway, so that's a, that's our podcast this week. I want to tell you about our, a little bit about our sponsor, my good friend Amy Campbell. She is a wonderful human being, and she is a resume queen, a LinkedIn queen. She knows more about LinkedIn. She's forgotten more about LinkedIn than you and I probably will ever know. She knows marketing stuff. She knows website stuff. She will love to help you with your stuff. So visit MyResumeLady.com or email her at Amy at MyResumeLady.com and say, Hey, Amy, I heard about you on the Magical Dog Podcast. Please help me with my LinkedIn site. Please help me with my resume because I want to get a better job. I want to get a better job than what I'm doing now. I want to get a different job. Help me with my resume. And she's going to say, Okie dokie, let me help you. And she is awesome. I've worked with her and I've seen her work. She's fantastic. So visit Amy at MyResumeLady.com. Also, my good friend Clay Shaver is the host of the Remodeling Clay podcast, releases the show every Thursday morning. I mention that because he is my wonderful producer. Clay is a super, super nice dude who produces the show for me, adds in the wonderful sound effects that my good friend Tim Dumais set up for me. He does the editing. He does all that good stuff because all along the way, you're a little coughs and little uh, things like that. He takes all those out. So you don't have to hear that stuff. 
All you have to do is listen to me drone on and on. But uh, so he is, his show releases every Thursday morning. Uh, super fun show. It's all about encouragement. It's all about um, not really self-help. It's practical encouragement, what it is. Uh, this past Thursday, he talked about setting the bar, setting the high bar for yourself, the good and the bad about doing such things, and also has a great little joke about... Um, well, I'm gonna let you hear it. It's the beginning of the show, and he says it's one of the best show, one of the best jokes he's ever made on the show. I disagree. I think there was a joke earlier that I thought was even better, but I'm not gonna tell you the joke. I want you to listen first. Uh, listen to the show and then contact me later, and I'll tell you which ones I thought were the best. But uh, show is funny. It's great practical encouragement. It comes out every Thursday. As a matter of fact, when this releases, this show here releases. It'll be out. History will be out in another couple of days. So visit me on Facebook at Magic on a Dollar. It's our fan community. Come say hello. Find me on Instagram at Magic on a Dollar as well. Find me on the Twitters at Disney on a Dollar. And of course, the website Magic on a Dollar dot com. Go there. Visit the podcast page. See the previous shows. See the show notes and all the fun stuff we have talked about, guys. It has been a blast. Once again, talking about Disney stuff as I love to do for you guys. Love talking about Disney. Podcast form, Disney conversations. My name is David Dollar. This has been the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Don't forget to thank the Phoenician.